0: We get three sets of teeth baby teeth, adult teeth, and the last set that comes in after you die and just before you become a sentient mist that gnaws the shadows of those who wronged you. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. Howdy to you today, listener. You know, your brain has weather, happiness, sadness, foggy autumn mornings when the dew soaks your pant cuffs, sunny days with a sweet breeze that makes you wonder how you could have ever been dissatisfied with anything. We don't control the weather out in the wide world, and there are plenty of times when we don't seem to control the weather in our own minds. Well, in the wild and inside your own skull, if you don't control the weather, you can at least dress for it. A slicker for the downpour and a warm coffee with a dog-eared old friend of a book for days when the sadness blows in over the mountains. The last thing you want to do is beat yourself up for what you're feeling. Anxiety, depression, dread, these aren't the interior weather that any of us would choose, and that's kind of the point of my weather metaphor. You didn't choose such feelings and deserve no criticism for feeling them. So be kind to yourself and dress for the weather as you find it. Some friends of mine are experiencing some inclement skull weather lately, so I asked them what sort of crypto nature they'd like to hear about this week. They responded, anything about bats. Well, now, that's almost too easy, but I'm happy to oblige. You see, even the most common of bats in the world is an absolute wonder. Heck, they're the only free-flying mammals... And as if that wasn't strange enough, my mind downright swims when I think about the reality of their echolocation. Many a time I've been out walking in the dust and watched a swooping bat swerve to avoid me, clicking out their echolocation song all the while. I loved the idea that, for a moment, my face was a 3D map in a bat's brain. Some bats drink blood. Some eat fruit. Some are important pollinators. And have you ever seen one swim? If somebody out there wants to start a podcast just about bats, they would have plenty of material and I would certainly listen. Now, as I said, all bats are amazing, but if you want the species most firmly categorized as Crypto Nature, Then we need to head to Piton de Fournay, on La Réunion Island in the Indian Ocean. Piton de la Fournay is peak of the furnace in English. It's one of the most active volcanoes in the world, and one of the very few places on Earth you can get a glimpse of the obsidian bat, a terrestrial roosting cosmic bat known for its seclusive disposition and its wonderful propensity for eating colossal low-orbit mosquitoes. Trust me, we need something to eat low-orbit mosquitoes. Now, I decided to look for the obsidian bat while in Australia last week, but I made it to Piton de la Fournay in about six hours, thanks to a shortcut that's both convenient and a bit disrespectful to physical reality. But hey... We gotta keep reality on its toes, eh? Speaking of keeping reality on its toes, how about a little poetry? It's time for today's Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore is a poem by Patricia Killalay. Poem to be read shortly before my reincarnation. Next Life I want to be the animal who comes across her reflection in the waters and doesn't stop to wonder whether or not it is beautiful. Or next life I'll perch in the ash, try on black feathers and catch the falling leaves so I can glue them all back to the branches. Maybe next life I'll become the white ghost deer crossing ice sheets all winter to reach the promise of spring on the other side. Or next life... I'll find a way to use my whole body to speak in vibrations, like a spider or a cicada, and I'll make candlelights flicker just to let you know I'm still around. Next life, I'll definitely have hooves made of agate, and I'll train my eyes to travel by birch light, or I'll swim from the stars all the way back to the river where I was born. It shouldn't be too hard to find me again. Because in the next life, I'll become the first moth to finally reach the moon, the first flake of snow to melt on your tongue. Will you meet me there, too? Will you glow there beside me? Will you become the waters I gaze into, or the ash? Will I find you again in the falling leaves, or in the flicker, next life? This poem speaks to me of the wonderful cyclical quality of nature and the unity of all things. I sometimes think life is like a river, and we, the trees, the insects, and all living things are just the banks through which it flows. Beautiful. Patricia Killalay is the author of the poetry collections Counterglow and Other Suns. She is currently poetry editor at Passages North and an assistant professor of English at Northern Michigan University. Her work appears in Cream City Review, Seneca Review, Trampoline Poetry, Atticus Review, Quarterly West, The Common Waxwing, Spiritus, and As Slash Us. She also produces video poems, which have been featured at Moving Poems Poetry Film Live, screened and shortlisted for the O'Beal International Poetry Film Competition, and longlisted for the Rabbit Heart Poetry Film Prize. Volcanoes are wonderful places. Well, not great places to live or picnic or host a company softball game, but still great all the same. It was humid dusk, with the sunsets crimson and the volcanic vents crimson mingling in monochromatic splendor as Cassandra creeped up over the lip of Piton de la Farne's caldera. We drove down among the many craters and spatter cones, seeing the occasional flash of iridium-rich lava here and there about the place. Now, you might be asking... "'Should you drive into the caldera of an active volcano?' "'No. "'Can I explain to you how Cassandra is able to do it?' "'Well, based on the omnidirectional scowl I feel descending upon me as I speak these words, "'I suppose the answer is no.' Suffice it to say that my friend and vehicle offers me some unparalleled views of this incredible planet, and I'm fortunate to know her. Now, normally, in these situations, I prefer to leave Cassandra and find a place of concealment from which to watch for the cryptid in question. But this time I opted to stay inside and remain uncooked. In any case, as far as I know, the obsidian bat doesn't have any predators, so I didn't imagine it would feel threatened by one out-of-place RV within the caldera. You may have noticed that I say the obsidian bat rather than an obsidian bat. That's because, as far as we know, there's only one. A notch-eared old giant with a hundred-meter wingspan. As the name would imply, the obsidian bat appears to be made from obsidian, though I doubt that's literally true. Still, its skin looks like polished black stone, and through that volcanic glass there appears to be veins of liquid fire branching out from a pumping heart like a setting sun burning through a stormy cloud bank. Beyond that, I'll just say the creature looks like a work of origami and stone. Sharp, precise angles in lieu of skin folds or fur. Now then, let's see. Today is Thursday? Yeah, so we were waiting several days to spot the obsidian bat, and I was feeling a little uncharacteristically impatient when one of the nearby craters splintered upward in a shower of stone and spewing lava. The bat climbed up out of the earth, and, wouldn't you just know it, it did in fact resent a lone RV encroaching on its home territory. In the time following that particular moment, I have apologized to Cassandra many times for my miscalculation, and i do so again now. Sorry, Cassandra, I'm a lifelong learner, and this one was a new lesson for me. The obsidian bat wasted no time hissing like a high-voltage spike blowing a transformer and snatching us up in its angular maw. I say us, and us it was... But of course it was Cassandra's side panels that got dented and her paint that got scratched. Uh, Apologies again, old friend. Wild animals are, well, wild. And it's a fool who thinks he can always predict their behavior. Still, my fault. I was given a fair amount of time to think about that as we were rocketed upward into the atmosphere in those dark glass jaws that glowed with the rosy light of newly forged metal. The sudden g-force of the trip absolutely devastated the horchata I was enjoying, and frankly, I'm still coming to terms with the idea that I'll never get that beverage back. Now, next thing I knew, we were high enough to see the curvature of the earth, and Cassandra and I were discussing her possible aptitude for being a space-faring vehicle when, thankfully, we were saved by the presence of the obsidian bat's preferred prey, a low-orbit mosquito. There it was, shining in the dark emptiness above us, cycling through colors like a perturbed cuttlefish. As you may know low orbit mosquitoes appear as a dozen or so images or instances of the same animal transposed one upon the others. Picture an iridescent mosquito the size of a moving van. Now picture twelve more ghost images of the same creature on top of the first, each facing a different direction and menacing you in a different way. Forgive me, I'm... Sure, I don't need to describe low-orbit mosquitoes to you folks. I imagine they're ubiquitous enough at this point to feature in most grade school discussions of common critters. Anywho, the magnificent bat released us to pursue the probability-bending insect, and we began tumbling back toward terra firma. A process, I'm told, is hot and uncomfortable, particularly on the tires. Again... "'Cassandra, I'm sorry.' "'Well, eventually our parachute deployed, "'and we had a leisurely descent into the Indian Ocean, "'wherein I am now recording this broadcast. "'There you have it. "'An obsidian bat, a low-orbit mosquito, "'a very patient and forgiving RV. "'The world is full of wonders.' Now then, I see we're running out of time, but it seems to be our good fortune to have a new field report to help close out this episode. Let's take a listen.
1: Trillium Spencer reporting on Crypto Naturalist Frequency 1158-1. Hold in your hand a pine cone. See it as a city block gently peeled from the earth and rolled into a conical shape. See the tiny buildings jutting out in all directions, delicate wooden architecture pressed lightly into your palm. Smell it resin, pine, wood, something earthy, something meant for the sky. To call a pinecone a city is a metaphor, except when it isn't. Sometimes that's the literal truth of what it is. A brief story. Some of you will know that I spent the last 16 months in the spiral caves beneath Lake Hope. I went there to see the luminescent subspecies of hellbender salamander rumored to call those caves home. The result of that search is a story for another time. But the point is, I brought a comfort pine cone along with me to remind me of the whoosh of pine boughs catching the summer wind. Such reminders are important deep within the ground. Well, I was scrutinizing this pine cone in the absolute dark of the cave when something glimmered a tiny square of light, small as a sugar granule. I pulled my magnifying glass and found that one of those building-like fingers of wood was more than building-like. It was absolutely a building, dotted with tiny square windows, and one of those windows had a light on. As you can imagine, I couldn't see much. A square of light, uh, perhaps a row of beige cubicles within, a distinctive waxy green of a lopsided office plant, Difficult to be certain. As I studied the window, a tiny figure came into view. I believe, based on her swaying movement, that she was running a vacuum cleaner while nodding to the rhythm of music I couldn't hear. She pivoted, gazed out the window, and, small though she was, I felt that instinctive, jolt of eye contact as she noticed me looming in the colossal dark beyond her window. I believe she shrugged. She reached for something out of my view and then the window went dark. A shudder perhaps? I can't say. Sixteen months in those caves and I never saw that light again. Yet you, my peers, my Fellow crypto-naturalists will know what I mean when I tell you that I do not doubt what I saw. Not for a moment. Trillium Spencer, signing off.
0: Huh. You know, I'll have to contact Trillium. I was actually inside one of those pine cone buildings once. Hm? Was that Cassandra? Oh. No, no, I did not shrink. Nothing so far fetched as that. It was simply a giant pine cone orbiting a moon in another dimension. <laughs> Shrinking. You do let your imagination run away with you sometimes, friend. Well, until next time, remember we're all strange animals. So act like it. to you kind folks who have sent mail to me during this time of social distancing. I've received a surprising volume of mail, considering I've never mentioned my P.O. Box address on the podcast. I'll mention it in just a moment. Thank you first to VJ, Valkyrie, L, Theo, and Dave for the letters and postcards. Thanks to Rissa for the beautiful calligraphy and for making me feel like a druid in a fantasy novel by letting me open a wax sealed letter. Thanks to my friend Bogwitch for the wonderful photography and little pieces of nature from the Pacific Northwest. And thanks to Boots for the wonderful cross stitch. I do my best to answer all mail, though I am very busy being terribly distracted. If you would like to send something, mail to The Crypto Naturalist. P.O. Box 837, Delaware, Ohio, 43015. Special thanks to Isabel Renner for lending her voice talents as Trillium Spencer. Isabel Renner graduated with a BFA in acting from Mason Gross School of the Arts right before the arrival of the pandemic. An NYC dweller, you can find her on Instagram at isabelrenner and at Isabelrenner.com. Exclusive stickers, pins, shirts, and access to bonus content and strange expertise on strange topics awaits you at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash cryptonaturalist. The Crypto Naturalist is written and read by Jared K. Anderson. Thanks to Adam Hurt for the use of his song Garfield's Blackberry Blossom Some people find bats frightening, but I don't understand why. They're just nocturnal creatures who can sense the world in a way we can't imagine, and they're the only true flying creature with teeth, perfect little fangs, and oh, wait, I get it now.